Cleopatra is one of the few Egyptian monarchs whose name has become a household word. Yet, although many fictional accounts have been written about her, the true story of her life is not widely known or understood. This talk is intended to shed some light on the circumstances that made Cleopatra one of the most famous rulers of all time. About 500 years before Cleopatra's birth, Egypt was controlled by rulers from Persia. This was not the first time that Egypt had been under foreign domination. However, the Egyptians strongly disliked Persian occupation. Enter Alexander the Great. He was a young man from Macedonia, the country that bordered Greece and shared Greek customs and language. Alexander had a dream to conquer the world. In fact, he succeeded in conquering much of the Mediterranean area and parts of the Middle East as well. In the year 332 before the Common Era, Alexander arrived in Egypt. He succeeded in driving the Persian rulers out. The Egyptians were happy to be liberated from Persian rule, so they declared Alexander to be a pharaoh. Upon Alexander's death in the year 323 before the Common Era, his territories were divided amongst his generals. The Macedonian general Ptolemy was given control of Egypt and was later crowned pharaoh. His descendants would rule Egypt for almost the next 300 years. In the Ptolemaic dynasty, virtually all of the male children were called Ptolemy, while the female children were called either Arsinoe, Berenike, or Cleopatra. The Cleopatra that we know was actually Cleopatra VII. Her father was Ptolemy XII, also called Aulates. His wife was also his sister, Cleopatra V, called Tryphene. Their children were daughters Berenike, Cleopatra VI, and Cleopatra VII, and Arsinoe, and also sons Ptolemy. There were two, Ptolemy XIII and the Fourteenth. Cleopatra was born in the year 69 BC. When she was still just a young girl, the people of Alexandria, Egypt's capital, rioted and drove Aulates out of the city. His daughter Berenike was installed as ruler. Within a short amount of time, she had strangled her own husband and also one of her sisters, Cleopatra VI, so there would be no challenges to her rule. Only the youngest children were spared, that is, Cleopatra VII, her sister Arsinoe, and her two younger brothers named Ptolemy. However, their father, Aulates, was still alive, and he had gone to Syria in order to get help. Finally, he was able to get the help of the Roman general Pompey. Pompey helped to bribe the king of Syria. The king of Syria lent Aulates an army, and with this army, Aulates marched on Egypt. Thereafter, he had his daughter Berenike beheaded for treason and had himself reinstalled as the pharaoh. Aulates died not long after. His eldest child and heir was Cleopatra. According to the Ptolemaic custom, she was installed as ruler along with her younger brother. This was Ptolemy XIII. Cleopatra and her brother did not get along very well with one another. One of the problems was that they had learned their father Aulates had put Pompey in charge of his will and also made him the guardian of his children. To make matters worse, her brother's advisor, Pothinus, was a very mean and nasty character. He was plotting to have Cleopatra killed, 
and when Cleopatra learned about the plot, she herself fled to Syria in order to raise an army to defend herself against her rebellious brother. However, there was also trouble brewing in Rome at this time. The Roman general Pompey was the son-in-law of a very important person in Rome. This was the speaker of the Senate as well as a powerful general. His name was Julius Caesar. Caesar and Pompey had a disagreement that started a civil war, and when Pompey found himself in trouble, he decided to go to Egypt for protection. He figured his foster children would offer him a safe haven. However, he was sadly mistaken. The advisor Pothinus wanted to gain favor with Julius Caesar, so he had Pompey executed and sent his head in a box to Julius Caesar, thinking this would make Caesar very happy. What Pothinus did not know was that in spite of the disagreement, Caesar still considered Pompey his friend, and he was outraged by what had happened. So he had Pothinus executed and took over the palace at Alexandria. His next move was to order Ptolemy and Cleopatra to come before him so that he could peacefully settle their dispute. Now Cleopatra was at the border of Egypt, and she knew that she could not just walk into Alexandria, because her brother's troops probably had orders to kill her on sight. So this is where she came up with the legendary plan. She had herself rolled into a carpet, and had the carpet delivered to the palace as a gift for Caesar. When the carpet was unrolled, Cleopatra emerged. Apparently, Caesar was very taken with her wit and courage, and it is reported that he instantly fell in love with her. When Cleopatra's brother arrived at the palace shortly thereafter, he found his sister with Caesar and he was furious, so he ran off to get his army. Six months of warfare followed. In the end, Cleopatra was victorious. Of course, she had the help of the master general Caesar. At the end of the war, Cleopatra's brother drowned in the Nile River. Whether this was an accident or not, no one can really say for sure. Cleopatra and Caesar indeed celebrated their victory by going on a two-month cruise along the Nile River. On the way, Cleopatra became pregnant with Caesar's son. He was called Ptolemy Caesarian, meaning Little Caesar. Caesar himself had to return to Rome in order to settle his affairs, but Cleopatra did not want to be parted with him, so she soon followed. Cleopatra stayed in one of Caesar's estates along the Tiber River, in spite of the fact that Caesar was already married to a woman in Rome. Apparently, the people in Rome strongly disliked Cleopatra. One reason was that they were a very conservative people, and Cleopatra seemed very outrageous to them. Also, at this time, Rome was a republic. They did not have a king or a queen, nor did they want one so they found Cleopatra to be a threat. Rumors were circulating in Rome that Caesar intended to divorce his Roman wife and marry Cleopatra, and then declare himself to be the king of Rome. A number of senators conspired against him. The senators assassinated Caesar in the Senate building on March 15th of the year 44 before the Common Era. Once Caesar was assassinated, Cleopatra realized that she was in danger for her own life, so at this point, she returned to Egypt. At Julius Caesar's funeral, his lieutenant, Mark Antony, gave a very moving eulogy. 
The speech was so moving that the citizens of Rome forgot all of their suspicions about Caesar trying to make himself king. All they remembered were the good things that he had done for Rome, and Caesar's assassins were subsequently hunted down and killed. At that point, the power in Rome was mainly split between two people, the Lieutenant Mark Antony and Julius Caesar's nephew, Octavian. However, Cleopatra's son, Caesarian, was not recognized as a legitimate heir. Mark Antony soon ordered for Cleopatra to come before him. Apparently, he wanted to interview her to see whether she had any part in the assassination. Of course, Cleopatra had been in Rome. She knew the Roman army was strong and could easily conquer Egypt. However, she also knew that Mark Antony would be a very powerful and much-needed ally. So, she set out to make a good impression on him. She dressed herself as the goddess of love, Venus, and sailed out to meet Antony on a boat decorated with gold and silver with beautiful purple sails. She was attended by handmaidens dressed in golden net dresses and little else. Apparently, Antony was in fact impressed with this display because it is reported that he fell in love with Cleopatra. They say that perhaps Cleopatra did not love Antony the same way that she had loved Caesar, but she was able to make the most of her situation. In fact, we know that the couple must have had a good time together from the accounts of their times in Egypt. It is reported that Antony and Cleopatra would dress in servants' clothing and go into the streets of Alexandria to play practical jokes on people. We also have accounts that Cleopatra would sing songs and play dice with Antony's soldiers. But the people in Rome at this time were not very happy. Here was another one of their leaders infatuated with a foreign queen. So Antony soon had to return to Rome. Once Antony returned to Rome, he made a move to consolidate his power. He married Octavian's sister, who was called Octavia. Of course, this could not have made Cleopatra very happy. At the time, she was in fact pregnant with Antony's twin children, and she did not speak to Antony for four years. Four years later, Antony returned to Egypt, and this time he stayed with Cleopatra for good. They had another child together who was called Ptolemy Philadelphus. In Egypt, Antony was declared to be a king and a living god. Well, on the one hand, this was publicly humiliating to his wife in Rome, Octavia. It was also infuriating to Octavian as well. Subsequently, Mark Antony declared that his sons, Alexander and Ptolemy, were kings, and his daughter, Cleopatra, was a queen. He then began to give out land that belonged to Rome to his own children. This was the last straw. Octavian declared war on Egypt. The decisive battle of the war was the Battle of Actium. It turned out to be a naval battle. At a very crucial point in the battle, for reasons that historians are still not sure of, Cleopatra fled the battle scene with the entire Egyptian navy. When Cleopatra disappeared with the Egyptian fleet, Antony followed her. His own troops were abandoned and were later massacred. Later in the war, when Antony realized there was no hope left of victory, he committed suicide. Cleopatra was now left alone to try to save herself and her children. 
Cleopatra's eldest son, Caesarion, was sent away to India for protection. However, along the way, he was captured by Octavian's forces. Apparently, Octavian feared that someday this boy would grow to be a man and claim to be Caesar's rightful heir. To avoid any future confrontation, Octavian had this boy killed. Cleopatra and her remaining children were surrounded in the palace by Octavian's soldiers. Cleopatra was trying to make a bargain with Octavian through the palace door. Apparently, she wanted her children to be able to inherit the kingdom of Egypt, no matter what happened to her. Whether she had to be tortured, humiliated, or sacrificed, she was willing to pay any price so that her children might inherit what was rightfully theirs. However, Octavian would not make a deal with her. Instead, he had his soldiers climb through a window and capture her. They say that perhaps Cleopatra was not all that much of a beauty by today's standards or even by the standards of her own day. What made her so captivating was her personality. She was a very intelligent woman, as she was very well learned and spoke at least nine languages, her native Greek, as well as Egyptian, Hebrew and Aramaic, and several other languages as well. Some accounts actually say her voice was like music. It was her persuasive powers that allowed her to escape from Octavian. Octavian allowed Cleopatra to go to Antony's gravesite, where she was supposed to have a funerary feast. This had long been a custom in ancient Egypt. However, at the gravesite, Cleopatra had a deadly cobra smuggled to her and committed suicide. Octavian took pity on Cleopatra's remaining children. They were taken to Rome, where they were raised by Octavian's sister, Octavia. This is an interesting twist on things, as, of course, Octavia was Mark Antony's widow, and she was the one who ended up raising Antony and Cleopatra's children. While we have no record of what happened to the youngest child, Ptolemy Philadelphos, we know that Cleopatra's daughter became a queen in her own right, through her marriage to the king of Mauritania, Juba II. One of the descendants of Cleopatra's daughter in the 200s of the Common Era was the warrior queen Zenobia of Palmyra. She conquered much of the eastern Mediterranean area and was finally stopped by the Roman forces. She eventually moved to Rome and married a Roman governor. One of her descendants about 200 years later was the Bishop of Florence, Zenobius. If you trace the family tree, there could still be people living today who can lay claim to being Cleopatra's descendants.